Melanie, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am doing great. Really excited to see you. And uh, we've had the opportunity to talk a little bit via Facebook about health and nutrition. And uh, before we uh, hit the record button, we were just talking a little bit. You had mentioned uh, you just got done working out. Can you share what we worked out on a Saturday morning? So Saturdays, I work a couple days a week and I get up early with the kids every morning. So Saturdays are my one day to, um, which is to, just to really focus on a longer workout. And so I usually do like an hour hit session on Saturdays. Nice, nice. Now, is that cardio or is that weights? It's a mix of everything. You know, one of the things I love, and I know we'll get into this more, is that you really can get a full body, high calorie burning workout without weights. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. So this morning I didn't even use weights. It was just me and my body weight. So. Oh, that's awesome. So for people who are listening or watching, uh, HIT stands for high intensity interval training. And you're exactly right. Body weight is something, you know, that you can just use. You don't have to spend money, you know, Um, to really get a great workout. So we'll talk a little bit about that. One of the things that's been very encouraging as I get to know you more is your, your love for fitness, your love for health. Uh, you have a very powerful story, and I really want to share that with the audience, how you've been connected with health and fitness. You're working out on a Saturday morning. A lot of people are sleeping in or maybe now just kind of waking up for a long time. How did you get on this path of health and fitness? Well, it's kind of a mix. It's, it's, um, it's a long story, but it's kind of a mix of both professional and personal experiences for me. Yeah. Um, I have been in healthcare PR for about 20 years, a little over 20 years, working in hospitals, interviewing doctors for a living. Um, for the last 15 years, I've just been a healthcare journalist. So all I do is interview doctors. So much of that is about comorbidities and you know diabetes, heart disease, the things that we hear about every day. And um, on the, and I guess through that, I've really become aware kind of of the need for preventative health rather than reactive, which is what most of the American health system is built around. Yes. Um, on a personal side, I was always pretty healthy. My mom was very health oriented growing up. We exercised, we ate well, we didn't eat out a lot. Um, it wasn't until, let's say I, I guess I was in college when I started having some weird heart issues and would go to the doctor and they'd say, well, you're young and healthy. It's just stress, you know, palpitations are normal. It's anxiety. And then I, um, I guess as I got older, it got worse. And I would go to the doctors and wear Holter monitors and they, my heart would just start, you know, it just start racing, which is common with anxiety. And people would say, you know, you're healthy. You're a healthy young woman. There's nothing wrong with you. And then finally, I guess someone, it happened at home. I guess fast forward, maybe 12 years later, I have two little boys and I'm at home. And I thought, okay, this is, this is not okay. Like I wasn't able to breathe very well. Um, my neighbor came over, she called 911 and they're like, no, you're in tachycardia. Mm-hmm. And so I finally got a diagnosis that I had supraventricular tachycardia, which mm-hmm. is where the heart has an extra electrical node. And instead of the typical healthy heartbeat, then it would get stuck kind of between two signals. So mm-hmm. it would just kind of like bum, 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 bum <laughs> instead yeah. of, so it was getting up to like close to 300 beats a minute. Um, mm-hmm which it's not really beating when it's doing yeah, that's that. right. That's right. It's really just more vibrating. 
And so um, a couple episodes of that, like one time I was at the gym and I went down and they called 911 and that medic said, you have to have surgery. Like, this is not okay. And I'd been kind of stubborn to that point, but, um, and I was in my thirties, my mid thirties, but I gave in and had, um, I had surgery, which is the best thing I've ever done for my health. And it really made me appreciate more just, you know, overall health, cardiac health and the ability to, to use your heart, use your heart. It's the only one we get. And I kind of quit making excuses after that, you know, I mean, because I quit, um, I became more aware of excuses, I guess, yeah. from other people when they would say, well, I just don't want to. And I think, are you crazy? Do you know how lucky you are yes. to be able to use your heart? Because I could not do that for the longest time. I couldn't do anything. I would bend over in the shower to pick up a bar of soap and go into tachycardia. So um, it really is something that I think we all take for granted. Yeah. You said three powerful words that I want to kind of uh, talk a little bit more about, uh, if I can remember them. You said uh, appreciate, excuses, Mm -hmm. and then taking something for granted. That's more than one word. But um, so the tachycardia, then you had two major Mm -hmm. events, right? And that forced you to get the the surgery. Yeah, the two major events that I ended up in an ER for, Mm -hmm. I had a lot of them. And because tachycardia is generally a pretty benign condition, then I I had just kind of ignored it for a long time. Um, I happened to, and I didn't know this till surgery, I happened to have um, a more, I guess, rare, more dangerous form of it. Mm. And I didn't know that until I went in and got it fixed. Now, were you in pretty good shape during this time of tachycardia? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, never struggled. Honestly, I, you know, I didn't struggle with weight other than probably, you know, maybe the 20 pounds we all gain after having kids. And, you know, a lot of um, women know that we need to maybe get off, but yeah, I wasn't struggling really any other way health-wise. Well, I think that's so good too, because there's something there where that's one of the benefits of staying in shape Mm -hmm. in these circumstances that are really out of our control. Uh, A lot of people in the audience know that I have a heart condition Mm-hmm. Uh, hypertrophic cardiomyopathy. And we've talked about this a little bit as well. Sure. And I also have a defibrillator. So there could be other issues that could happen. And so you you really want to have, and I think this is the challenge that a lot of people have, Melanie, they don't have a, a lot of margin. So if they get something like what you had, like tachycardia or something else, or whatever the diagnosis may be, mm-hmm. then they're in a really a state of deficit because they haven't put in that time to be in shape. And I'm sure, how did that help you already being in shape when these circumstances arose? Did that, how did that help you mentally and uh, just to kind of process that whole uh, situation? I mean, I think it was, exercise was always something that was important to me. I mean, I was at the, you know, at the gym, the second time I left on a stretcher (laughs) to the the emergency room. That was kind of embarrassing to add it. Get over myself there, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, it was yeah. I mean, you said just being aware. Like I knew I needed to, you know, I needed to be stronger. And yeah. I'd even had my primary care physician had told me, like he said, oh, you know, you're young, you're fine, healthy, keep exercising. You know, you're fine. So I had been exercising as a way to build up my heart muscle because you know, obviously, the heart is a muscle. And we do need to work it out. So I had been actively trying to improve my cardiac health through exercise. Mm. 
So yeah, this is really good. I want to share something here. I was talking to my coach and uh, I'm kind of going through a journey right now too. And being aware of what your body is saying. And I wonder, you know, sometimes the excuses certainly get in the way, but then sometimes we ignore what our body is actually trying to tell us. And I'm so thankful that you did that. And I'll tell you this too, you're way stronger than I was because I had a blood clot when I was working out in the gym in, uh, in 2014, but I didn't tell anybody. And so I actually drove to an urgent care, which is a bad idea. Don't go to an urgent care. Oh. <laughs> and I was thinking about, I was thinking about health insurance. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, true story. But um, there's something there. You said you were embarrassed, but that, mm-hmm. to me, that's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's actually very wise to be aware. Sure. And that, that's something there, you know, we're fearfully and wonderfully made by God, right? Psalm 139. And our bodies have a way of telling us, hey, you really need to take this seriously whether it's our, our skin, uh, our hair falling out, maybe our nails Absolutely. breaking or being strong. There's all these little, you know, the, the joint pains and knee pain, all of this kind of stuff. It's kind of like a, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get you to make sure you understand what is happening. And you had the insight to say, I actually need to listen to this. Yeah. A lot of people don't. Why do you think a lot of people ignore maybe these warning signs that their body is trying to tell them? Well, I think, honestly, I think it's easier to ignore it than to really yes. figure out what's going on. I mean, it's easier. And the thing is, you might even have a doctor tell you you're fine, yep. you know, or, well, everybody deals with this and you know your body better than anyone else. And you know, if it's off, um, I think it is so important to listen to our bodies and to really think about, even write it down. You know, what are you, what are you, what are you dealing with right now? Are you dealing with, you know, joint pain? Are you dealing with digestive problems? You know, what, what are you dealing with? Because that something's going on. Um, one of the things I've become a big advocate of, in addition to women's health, is mental health. Yes. And it's same same thing with anxiety, panic attacks. That's our God-given way to know something needs to change, something's going on. And I think when we push that aside and don't listen to it or even fear those things, then it's going to get worse. It's only going to progress. So one of the things I think is a big takeaway from this so far is, and this is really hard to do, but it's something that we have to be honest with ourselves. And that can be a very challenging thing to do of understanding you know, it's time to slow down a little bit, Mm -hmm. or it's time to step away from the sugar or the fried foods, or it's time to get the blood pressure or the diabetes under control. And that, that forces us to say, man, I've, I've been really off here and it, it helps us or forces us to, I think, really get rid of the excuses. That was another term you mentioned. I want to follow up with that. What have been some of the common excuses that you've seen from people, you know, whether it's ignoring or delaying exercise or whatever the case may be? What are some of those that come to mind? Honestly, I feel like I hear excuses every single day from people. And I don't think people, I don't think we realize, because I've, I've done it. I don't think we realize that that's what it is, that it's excuses. I think from among my, I'm 43 years old, I've got two teenagers I think among my friend group, my peer group, it's mostly um, a question, excuse, I guess related to time yep. as well as priorities. Um, I hear over and over women saying things about, 
well, you know, when my kids are out of the house, you know, or, or maybe even we tell ourselves things, we tell ourselves things about those people who do take care of themselves. Yes. And I hate to say it, but as women, we can be a little catty and we can be a little judgy. And yeah. I've been there, like, you know, I get that. We just, and we, we might look at someone and say, who's in great shape and say, well, if my kids and husband didn't come first, I could do that too, yeah. you know? And I hear that over and over. I hear one of the things I heard the other day, I was actually making a list because I've heard so many of them in the new year, mm. um, it's January. And I've heard a lot of excuses of why people aren't making changes right now. But um, another one is, you know, well, you only live once, eat whatever you want, do whatever you want. And these are coming from Christians. You know, these are, these are not people who have a completely worldly perspective. So um, I feel like we've, we've somewhere in our minds, we've decided that as Christians or as women, we don't want to be shallow. You know, we know that it's what's on the inside that matters. We know that God looks at our hearts. And so we tend to see people who really are proactive with their health as being extreme or being off balance somehow in terms of their priorities or their spiritual walk. And that's a very dangerous thing too, because a lot of people then are assuming that this person is not, you know, spiritual. If you work mm -hmm. out or exercise, or even if you're, you know, passionate about exercise, my, you know, one of my, I, I, there's typically four big things that make up my book called mm -hmm. life, right? Which is faith, family, fitness, and food. Those are really, conversations, the things I'm focusing upon, obviously there's other things in there too, right? Finances and books and travel and things like that and, and striving to do good. But it's, it's important to really emphasize this and to really uh, invest in ourselves. And the excuses, it's sad to hear, but you're right. You can come up with pages of excuses that people have. Let's talk a little bit about some solutions while we're on this subject here. What have been some of your strategies to ensure that you get your, your hit training in on a Saturday morning, record a podcast and whatever else you have planned for one day with kids uh, and being married? How do you prioritize your time to ensure that you're investing in your health? Well, I think um, honestly for me, because I guess it's kind of like being a preacher in that you probably have some feeling of, I'm not perfect. I haven't mastered this. I hate telling all of, you know, like there's a feeling of self-consciousness there. Yep. And that's kind of how I feel too, because I certainly am not perfect in that way. And I'm still learning every day. But um, I think for me, what kind of made the difference a couple of years ago is realizing that I'm the only one who's going to do this. I have people who can help take care of my kids. You know, I can ask for help in a lot of ways but I am the only person, no one's gonna get me and say, you know what, you need to get up early and work out first. No one's gonna do that for me. That has to be me. My husband and kids aren't gonna ask me to, they're gonna say, where's breakfast? You know? <laughs> and so if I don't make my health a priority, no one else is. Yeah. And I think it took me a long time to realize that. And then when I did start realizing, oh, food and fitness are a big part of 
the things I do that determine how I feel, what kind of mood I'm in, what kind of wife and mom I am, yes. you know, what kind of employee I am or whatever my role is as a daughter or sister, or whatever, none of those things are going to be as productive as they should if I don't put those things, make those things important in my life. And so for me, that's usually getting up about 4.30 a.m. to 4.45. I um, spend about 45 minutes coffee and Bible time. And then I work out. Usually it may just be a 30 minute, you know, hit or cardio session. I work out at home. Um, I think there is, I do belong to a gym through my husband's employer, but um, I think we kind of tend to think, well, I don't have time to go to the gym for an hour a day. Well, you don't have to. There are some amazing programs out there that can get you where you want to be in your living room. And with, as we said before, with very minimal equipment. Mm -hmm. So if you want to make excuses, you will always find a way to get around it. Yeah. And it's really, for me, not, wasn't until I decided to quit making those excuses to quit saying, but I've got a parent who needs me. I've got kids who need me. I've got a job. Instead of using those things as an excuse, use them as a catalyst to get better. I got to work out because I got two kids that need me. I got to work out because I have aging parents, you know? I mean, I, for somehow we've twisted that as a culture. Yep. And we've made that acceptable. And I don't think it should be. Mm. So if I don't do those things first, like I said, well, okay, no one's going to make me, you know, but then what? Yeah. No, I I absolutely love that, Melanie. No one is going to make you work Mm -hmm. out. And uh, there's this uh, financial book um, I've I've shared with Nikki. Uh, It's called, I will teach you to be rich. And uh, one of the things that he says in here, and he's not talking about, you know, salvation and things like that, right? But from a financial standpoint, one of the statements that he says is that no one is coming to save you. And it sounds very much like what you're saying in the sense that you have to take this, we have to take this responsibility into our hands of, yeah, we have to shift our whole paradigm has to shift of, oh man, I have to go work out to, no, I get to work out Mm -hmm. or this is a, an investment actually in my family so I can be a better mom, a better husband, uh, a better um, son or daughter, right? And I, I think that's so critical where, to me, what's standing out is your mindset um, when we reframe certain things and your appreciation. That was another of the, one of the words that stood out to me. When you have a serious medical condition, well, that changes, that changes everything too. It's just like that shock or wake up of, hey, you do know your body is going to one day go back to the dust of the ground and mm-hmm. you got to make the most of the time that we have here so we can have, you know, the ability to, uh, to help others. So I think this is really good too for the audience. There's something here, I think, important about the morning time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you and I, maybe uh, Jocko Willink and maybe a few others are waking up at 4 or 4.30 in the morning. Um, but there is something, even if you don't wake up at 4 or 4.30, maybe it's 5 or 6 or maybe it's just like 30 minutes mm-hmm. or faster or sooner than you typically would, where you can get in a 10 minute workout or sure. that 30 minute workout. So uh, you mentioned a couple of years ago, you, you know, you stopped making excuses and you had all this. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about the last couple of years. 
The last couple of years have been tough for a lot of people. Sure. And um, I was just talking to someone uh, recently uh, before we got on this uh, session here about 2020. And I thought 2020, obviously there's a lot of tragedy that happened in 2020, but there are also some positives of how everything just kind of stopped and everything, sure. everything slowed down. So my question for you, um, and maybe you've already touched on this, how did you get through 2020 and 2021 uh, with respect to motivation to keep going? Because I see you as someone who is very consistent. Well, honestly, from a professional standpoint, I was writing about COVID every day. Like mm -hmm. all I was, I mean, COVID and, um, you know, cardiac health, COVID and OB health, COVID and mental health, you know, addiction. I was interviewing doctors every single day about how this crazy virus was affecting us on a million different levels that most of us don't think about, you know? And so for me, it was always on the radar. And honestly, that was a little depressed, <laughs> depressing being in this world where all I do is write about this disease, yep. um, this virus. And that really made me aware, especially from the mental health perspective to see that that is, um, the mental health impact of COVID was even greater than the physical. And because you look at this entire generation of kids, for example, you know, like Joshua and my boys who are growing up in this weird time and it's a generational trauma for them. And I think the best thing we can do mentally and physically is just to get out there and I mean, take care of ourselves. You know, we take care of our bodies. 30 minutes of exercise releases the same amount of endorphins as an antidepressant. And so when you look at it from that perspective of how can we not use this time to take better care of ourselves, especially when, I mean, I know any of us could, you know, fall victim to COVID. The people who were getting the sickest were those with the worst comorbidities, you know, with heart disease, um, you know, diabetes, that type of thing, high blood pressure. We, um, for me, that was motivation to say, you know, I can't, I'm probably not going to escape this virus, but I can do what I can to beat it. Yes. Because if I have strong heart and lung health going into it, it's not going to hit me, Lord willing, the same way it does everybody else. And we know that because we see the stats of who, you know, who was in the hospital, who was dying from this virus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, knowing that we can actually still do some things to protect ourselves, mm -hmm. right, of our health and our nutrition and water and sleep. Sure. I don't think those things are often, you know, discussed as much as they should be. Mm -hmm. But that, it's just another way of investing in ourselves. Um, you've, you've mentioned mental health a few times. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think that's something I'm glad we're talking about it a lot more. I know there can be some stigma, you know, with it. Uh, I did a sermon, uh, I guess it was last year, called uh, The Christian in Depression. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there, you know, depression is real. Uh, I've seen it in my family and uh, different challenges. Uh, you talked about exercise. And I think that why, why do you think people are overlooking some of the great benefits of, of just kind of viewing exercise almost like a pill, right? Like your vitamin D pill or some type of prescription, that could be used, you know, to help out with like with depression uh, or anxiety. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, it's obviously easier, easier, you know, to take a pill than it is to, to exercise. And so I think a lot of times we just want 
we want what's easy. And I certainly do think there's a place for pharmaceuticals, you know, in mental health. Um, when I was going through my heart stuff, then I needed, I took something for a couple months to get me through surgery and that type of thing for the, for anxiety and things related to my heart. Um, I absolutely think those things are fine, but I do think we tend to underestimate the effect that, um, that overall health does have, that our diet has, um, that sleep has. We all know when we don't get a good night's sleep that what do we do? We eat everything in sight the next day or, because not sleeping throws off our hormones. When our hormones are off, we crave the carbs, we crave the sugar yeah, and yeah. it's, it's all a cycle. It's all connected. Yeah, no, that's so true. How do you keep, um, you have young children and I have, mm -hmm. um, have a young child as well. Uh, I know we were talking before the show, they're playing tennis um, with respect to children. Cause that's very important as well. There's a obesity epidemic and more young people are struggling with weight um, how do you keep your family motivated uh, with exercise? I know they're seeing you do it. Um, mm -hmm. Has that been one of the biggest contributors with them getting out and being active? And what tips could you give to, to moms out there to keep their kids active? You know, one of my favorite um, quotes from a cardiologist I interviewed a few months ago was, heart disease doesn't start when you get a Medicare card. Mm -hmm. It starts when you're young. And it builds up. And by the time we're 50, 60, 70s, that's when we have the symptoms of it. But it's forming right now when they're teenagers. Yep. And I think that we overlook that. We forget that what they're doing now will affect what kind of dads and fathers they become. So I know, for example, during COVID, we would just get on our bikes. We have an amazing greenway system, like a 40 mile greenway system that runs through our neighborhood. And during COVID, we would just jump on our bikes and we'd gone for the day. We'd pack a backpack and um, take a bunch of snacks and we would just go. Mm -hmm. We play tennis all the time because it was, it was one of the only <laughs> things that we could do outside that was socially yeah. distanced. Um, lately, honestly, when I started exercising more a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, my younger son, who was about 10 then, we get so frustrated and he's like, mom, you're always exercising <laughs> you do this all the time. And I think there was a, a point once upon a time where I would have apologized. I would have said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, what do you need? I'm, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to ignore you. And now I say, Charlie, I exercise for about 40 minutes a day yep. and you can help yourself for those 40 minutes. <laughs> and I'm doing this because I'm a better mom when I do it. Yeah, we yeah. need to stop apologizing for taking care of ourselves yeah. because then our kids see that. And they've both come to me in the last few months and said, you know, mom, I, what do I need to do about this? I need, I want to get healthier. I want to take control of my diet because 15 year old boys aren't always super aware of what they put in their bodies. They're just tanks that need filled all the time. <laughs> so they've, they've, they've changed their mindset over the years as they see that it's a non-negotiable for mom you know mom feels a lot better and she's a lot happier when she is taking care of herself and i think the more our children can see us you know mm -hmm. you know you think about our faith and seeing them or them seeing us reading and having conversations mm -hmm. about jesus in the house and um going to worship services together Many times, some of the best ways to influence people is just through action, 
Mm -hmm. you, we can talk to people all day long. We could, you know, here's this study from New England Journal of Medicine or whatever sure. journal we're using, you know, but when people actually see, oh, look, mom is, she's exercising or mm -hmm. we're going to bed at nine o'clock or we're going to bed at 10 o'clock, whatever the case may be, that really has a big impact. And also um, finding a way where it's fun. So sure. it sounds like your boys and husband, it's fun to play tennis. So yeah. Josh right now he's really into football. So we'll play catch in the house or outside mm -hmm. and he's running around with his boys um, and he's doing jujitsu now as well. And uh, that's been really interesting too, because he's exhausted uh, by the time he comes home, which is great because it's a different kind of exercise. So it doesn't always have to be, you know, exercise that we may think about like the elliptical or sure. running on a treadmill, going outside. I remember growing up and I'm sure it was the case for you uh, or the same age. It was fun going outside and running up and down the street, you know what I mean? And just hanging out where it wasn't always at the gym or just some, you know, some piece of electronic or something like that. Yeah. And I found you're so right. And I found that if it doesn't, if you can't incorporate it into your lifestyle, it's probably not going to last. Right. So if, if I have to drive 30 minutes to the gym every day, now some people do that. You know, I have friends who say, well, I can't work out at home. You know, I have to go. I'm not going to do that. I can tell you that. I think we have to know ourselves and know what works with our schedules and also accept that it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, I have days where I'll put dinner in the oven or turn noodles onto boil and then I'll run the stairs for 10 minutes, you know, while I'm doing that. Um, I'll do jumping jacks while, yeah, while I'm doing, while I'm waiting on something or while yeah. the kids are doing homework. I think we get it in our heads that it has to be perfect. It has to look a certain way. And it doesn't, it's about my, one of my mantras is progress, not perfection. This is not about, um, I don't know, whatever you see your friends doing, that does not have to be what works for you. For me, I don't love being at the gym. When I go, I'll do the elliptical or treadmill. I don't enjoy it. And I enjoy being home. I enjoy um, working out here at the house. There are things that I have found that I never would have thought I liked, like kickboxing, you know, and I would not know that unless I try those different things. Yeah. So I think we kind of need to think outside the box. Um, don't be afraid to try new things. You know, people might say, well, I'm not a runner. Well, how do you know unless you try, right. you know, you right. don't know if you like to, um, you know, to lift weights. Have you ever done it before? You mm. might love it. I love lifting weights and I would have never in a million years thought that I would enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, no, and that's so true too. Mixing things up, it's almost like with eating. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just listening to something recently, you know, the more diverse our food is, that seems to help our gut health as well, mm -hmm. where it's not just the same thing every day. So yeah, mixing up the exercise. Can I ask, um, I know I see the stairs. I know you run the stairs sometimes when you're cooking. That's fantastic. Yeah, don't ask me to do that right now. <laughs> I got my house shoes on and you don't want to see <laughs> What other pieces of equipment do you have? Are you using dumbbells or do you have more like uh, like benches? What are, what kind of equipment do you have? In I, I just have hand weights is what I love to use because so much of my um, workout is the high intensity interval training. Mm -hmm. Most of my strength training involves like compound movements, you know, squatting and lifting at the same time or, you know, punching, you know, kickboxing, you know, which is obviously punching and kicking. Um, so my weights range from five to 20 pounds. And I use them um, pretty much every day. And I know during COVID, 
weights were in short supply. I think that's getting a little better, but if you don't have weights, um, say if you go on YouTube, there are so many trainers who put in no equipment, you know, hit training, no equipment. And there are so many workouts out there that you can do using your own body weight. If you don't have access to those. What's your go-to body weight exercise? Is it uh, air squats? Is it uh, burpees? What's your go-to exercise? Man, I love burpees. And yeah. I never in a million years would have thought that I love burpees. Now, are you but, doing um, push-up when you do the burpees? Are you doing the push-up or are you just doing more of the plank? So one of my goals for this year is to get better at push-ups. Okay. I don't know why I've... <laughs> My, here's my excuse for push-ups is I'm really <laughs> tall and my arms are long. And I'm like, I think it's just long arms. Like it's, it's harder <laughs> with long arms to do push-ups, but that's an excuse. And so one of my goals this year is to be able to do better push-ups. Um, nice. But no, I love burpees. I love, you know, just high knees, things like that, that you can just do those little bursts in between your weight, you know, your weight sessions, um, just doing those little bursts of cardio. And the whole point of that is it gets your heart rate up and down. And that's kind of what burns the most calories. Um, one of, I think for me, one of professionally, one of the best resources that I've had is an exercise physiologist who runs an exercise research lab. And he, um, he said, he described HIT as the best um, invention in the history of ever, because he said, they're learning you really only like 10 minutes a day. Like if you can get those 10 minutes in, then you can build incredible strength through that. He actually took an um, 80 something year old woman from a nursing home mm-hmm. and worked with her. She could not sit or stand unassisted. He worked with her for about three weeks. She could sit and stand unassisted, I think five times in two minutes. And this is in her eighties with a little bit of strength training. And he pointed out, he said, the number one reason we go into nursing homes is because we become a fall risk and we lose our balance. Mm. That is because we lack core strength. He said, can you imagine if we all made that a priority? in our 50s, 60s, 70s. And he said, we could delay nursing homes by 10 years. We could live independently for another decade if we made it a priority. But so often we see strength training is something only high school athletes do. We forget that, no, the older we get, the more important it is to do that. That's a really powerful thought, uh, 10 minutes. And I've heard that number before. So, let me ask you this and we'll move on to mm-hmm. another subject here. Someone who's listening to this podcast today with the two of us who knows they need to get started doing something. Mm-hmm. They are very stretched for time. Hey, little, <laughs> little stretch for time. Um, and it's okay to look, I only have 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. I don't have any equipment at the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you recommend as a go-to exercise to at least get started? For that kind of person where they're short on time, don't have a lot of equipment. So you've mentioned some of these already. What would be your recommendation for that kind of person? I, I mean, obviously there's so many resources online as far as workouts themselves, but I would just focus on getting your heart rate up for as long as you can during that time. So that might be, um, I would say also rotating between upper and lower body. 
that's going to get your blood flowing and increase your heart rate. So, you know, do, you know, 30 seconds of jumping jacks, you know, and then 30 seconds of burpees, if you can do that. Um, I know that a lot of people have physical limitations, joint pain, that type of thing. Your workout doesn't have to look like everybody else's adapt, do what works for you. I personally have, um, I'm missing a lot of cartilage in one of my knees. I have arthritis and also in my hip and I tend to get really bad joint pain. Um, diet has worked wonders in controlling that and getting rid of sugar and dairy and some more inflammatory foods. But I adapt, I adapt moves all the time. Like every single morning I adapt things that I need just um, to be able to keep going to maximize my workouts. Mm -hmm. So don't let adapting exercises, don't let that discourage you. Don't let it make you stop. You may not be able to do a burpee. That's fine. What can you do? Can you do a push up against a wall mm -hmm. instead of on the ground? Um, every little bit you do, you're, you're making gains when you do that. So we need to stop expecting, you know, no, I may not look like the gal on TV when I'm exercising and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, you talked about the woman on TV and I think mm -hmm. there is a lot of comparison. There's a lot of comparison, the comparison game, which is always a losing game, right? Mm -hmm. uh, especially on social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Um, there's another one, uh, Snapchat. Mm -hmm. you know, so young people struggle with this. There's documented evidence, you know, of how it can lead to anxiety and depression for young girls. And I'm sure it's having an effect on young men as well. Talk to us a little bit about what do women need to hear more of with respect to body image? And we've kind of touched on the health mm -hmm. aspect, but I'm glad you brought that up about the, you know, the woman on the TV or the workout video, because it can be easy just to look at this woman or man who's got the six pack, got the broad shoulders, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be. And you're like, man, I don't look like them. So what do you think women need to hear of with respect to body image? Well, I just think, I mean, obviously we're all made in the image of God, you know, and I think one of the hardest things for me that I've seen is we live in a culture on one hand that says you're perfect as you are. Don't change. You know, we're obviously anti-body shaming, you know, anyone who, who, maybe overweight, you know, we don't encourage those things, but then we also have the culture that throws airbrushed images of women at us, you know, that are unrealistic. And I think, especially as Christians, you're kind of going, where, where do I fall in that? You know, what, what should I be doing? Um, I just think, I think that there's, we said we compare ourselves and we don't give ourselves enough credit, you know, we look at all everything we have on our plate and we say that we, we just, we can't do it. We don't have time. We accept the excuses. We accept the, accept the voices that say, well, if I look like her, sure. You know, and we, we tell ourselves things and I really wish we would stop the negative self-talk self and the thoughts that we might have about other people and just really take ownership of our health and decide that we're done making excuses. You know, I don't care what your physical limitations are. I don't care what you're dealing with at home. Honestly, the more you have on your plate, the more important that is. Yeah. And I wish someone would have had that tough love with me when I was caring for a mother-in-law with dementia and homeschooling two little boys, you yeah. know, like I get it. It's hard, Absolutely. but I think we need to stop using those reasons as excuses and start using those as a catalyst. Yeah. 
to say, this is why I have to make changes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what have you taken off your plate or have you taken anything off of your plate? So clearly you have some systems in your life mm -hmm. that are working. And I think you're, I think what you're talking about with the plate is absolutely true. The more I think about this, are we focused? I think we're focusing too much on what's on the physical plate mm -hmm. with our food, right? But we're not looking at the plate called our daily lives. Mm -hmm. where we're hurried, we're rushed, we're overwhelmed. What have you had to, if you have anything, uh, what have you had to take off or take off or say no to in order to say yes to God, uh, to your health, to your family? Honestly, one of the things, and I, I, I could be pushing this too far, I don't know, but there are so many people who want to be connected, you know, we're connected all the time. Our phones are going off. My watch is going off all the time. People texting me and I'll just turn it off for the day. Honestly, yeah. I'll okay, turn hold on. I'm going to stop you there. Mm -hmm. Hold on a second. You said you'll turn it off for the day. Did I hear you correctly? Yeah. Like my notifications. Okay. Okay. Um, I will turn my notifications off because I've, I know me, I know I'm tend to anxiety and feeling overwhelmed that creeps up on me very easily. And so I'll turn off notifications for the day and try to get back to people, you know, the next day if I can, but I also work part-time now. My kids go to school three days a week and I work at school on the days that, um, that they're at school. And I think for me, it's, it's really been, um, it has been a little tricky to try to figure out how to balance all that, but I can't have, I feel so, I guess like the Pavlovian, you know, Pavlov and experiment in the dog. I feel like every time I hear that ding, I don't want to be looking at my phone. You know, it, it, I don't like it. And so for me, a lot of it is just physically turning off a lot of those distractions and saying that, no, this, you know, this morning I'm reading my Bible and I'm exercising, you know, yeah. and then I've got to get the kids up, make breakfast for them, make lunches, get out the door yeah. and putting off the things that I don't have to do right now, you know, mm -hmm. and I hate to even say putting off, but maybe just recognizing the things that don't need my attention right now. That because, is so, yeah. I'm sorry. People will take every second of my day if I'm willing to give it to them. And as, especially as, you know, a mom and a wife, and I really, I guess it's having to decide how much of myself that day that I'm able to pour out for other people after I take care of myself and my family. Yeah. Now, this is fantastic. And I, I'm reading a book called um, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really good. And you're touching on so much of that. What I'm taking away is boundaries. So number mm -hmm. one, we need boundaries. Number two, the notification game. Mm -hmm. uh, you're in one of my fitness groups on, uh, on Facebook, and I'm all about challenges. People, people make fun of me now because I'm always doing some kind of challenge. But one of the toughest challenges, and I'm going to have to resurrect this challenge, is turning your phone off, off, like completely off, mm -hmm. three hours every day for a week. And that does not include sleep. And, you know, people get really nervous. They're like, what are you talking about? Three hours? What if something, you know, what if something bad happens? <laughs> you know, so, but there's something there, even if you don't turn it off completely, the notifications, because we're not designed to be 
on every single moment of every single day. And it, it does, it just drives it, you know, it'll just wear you out. And so if you don't have those boundaries for yourself, then one of the things I've been working on, Melanie, has been my calendar where you know, I'm really, I, I just have to really protect time because what I'm seeing, I've seen, I'm seeing my health decline like this. So I've had to make some changes of, okay, well, there's something amiss. There's something else going on, you know? And so I've been making some changes here um, these last two, three weeks that I'm going to Lord willing continue um, throughout the year, because it can't just also just be about the scale or how we look, because a person can look great. Uh, a woman can be beautiful. A man can be handsome, but on the inside, it's terrible mm-hmm. or their life is totally off balance. And that's the other lie that's out there. If you just look this way, then everything will be okay. But that's not the case either. So there has to be this, this balance and the Bible gives us you know, the wisdom and the guidance and, and able, you know, for us to be able to accomplish that. So uh, I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, with respect to boundaries, uh, I do want to respect your boundaries because I gave mm-hmm. us a time limit on this podcast. So I just want to ask you a couple more questions. We can kind of play a game called uh, Rapid Fire, where okay. I'll ask you a couple of questions. Uh, I just mentioned a book I love to read. And so mm-hmm. people are on the show. I always want to know if you have any book recommendations, or anything you're reading, or something in the past that has had a big impact on you, uh, what might that be with respect to a book? Well, right now, I just started reading Atomic Habits by James Uh, Clear. It's one of those things that's been in my cart on Amazon for like a year. (laughs) And I was like, okay, it's the new year. I I gotta get on that. I'm honestly not great about reading because so much of my time is spent reading medical literature and hardcore things that I just, I do a lot of podcasts. Um, so I love the Excel still more podcast. That's been a huge, um, just a huge blessing in my life and consequently in my family's life. Um, there's a financial podcast I love called choose FI financial independence that it's a, it's, I think it's the only crowdsourced, um, podcast, and it's been a, um, that's been a huge blessing. So for me, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of listening and podcast, which I enjoy doing that as I'm out walking and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, with respect to medical journals, mm-hmm. um, you know, when I worked for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals for eight years, I was reading a lot of medical journals, people who want to learn more about benefits of exercise, uh, nutrition, things like that. Are there any journals that a person who may not be accustomed to reading a lot could turn to or a website that they could turn to to get a little bit more knowledge? Oh, that's a good question. Um, honestly, I only go to, um, I don't know if you call it verified websites, but a lot of like university-based research, things like that. If I want to get um, hardcore data that's not necessarily slanted or biased in some way. Um, obviously the... Um, you can go to like the FDA is if you want to look up, you know, heart regulations, things like that. I do a lot of work on the American Cancer Society. Um, They've got great stats about heart, you know, prevention, um, preventing comorbidities, that type of thing. So I do a lot with the Heart Association, Cancer Society, and as well as um, just, I guess, a lot of government websites that deal with statistics. Fantastic. So you mentioned earlier, and then we'll wrap up here, you've eliminated dairy and sugar. Uh, You've had some joint pains. Uh, I'm on day 18 uh, with uh, eliminating the the sugar and the dairy. 
Um, what's your journey been like? How long do you plan on doing this? Is this a short-term fix? Is this something long-term that you're doing? You know what? That's something I'm, we haven't talked a lot about food. That's something I'm pretty passionate about it as yeah. well, because I feel like there's so many diets out there, yes. you know, and every person I know has amazing success stories on paleo, um, keto, vegan. Everyone has, you know, a story to tell about that. And honestly, the things that any of those diets have in common is that it's more calories out than in for number one, two, it's eliminating the highly processed junk that we tend to eat. So any of those diets focus on meat, veggies, you know, whole grains, basically. And when you start eliminating all the other junk, then yeah, you're going to burn more calories than you take in for the most part. Um, and that's just looking at it from the weight loss perspective. That's obviously every diet has, um, you know, health consequences. You can eat jelly beans all day, you know, 1500 calories of jelly beans. You, you're still going to lose weight because a calorie is a calorie at the end of the day. Right. So you do have to look at how all those things affect your overall health. For me, um, I do a whole 30 every couple of years and every time I do it, I think, why am I not doing this all the time? Because <laughs> like, you know, not sleeping, headaches, yeah. um, joint pain, there are mood hormones. Yeah. As you get into your forties, you realize how much hormones play in weight loss. Can and you tell the audience what's a whole 30? Can you tell whole us? 30, it's an, um, yeah, I would recommend to anyone to look that up. You're basically just eating whole foods for 30 days. Yeah. So you eliminate dairy, sugar, any type of sweetener, even honey, you know, grains, legumes, you're basically eating nothing but plants and meat, preferably lean meat for those 30 days. And it's not a weight loss diet, but it's an elimination diet designed to um, identify those foods that might be triggering some symptoms. So after 30 days, you maybe this week, I'm going to add grains back in, see how that affects me. Next week, I'll try a little dairy, see if my symptoms come back. So it's really an elimination diet meant to um, target the inflammation that Americans tend to have um, a lot of yeah. right now. Very nice. So, okay, final question. Mm -hmm. Imagine you get to have a billboard on one of the main highways where you live. You had this billboard and you could put up a thought on that billboard for mm -hmm. people to see, to read, to remember, what would that be? It could be on anything. Um, not anything. It could be on anything. What would you want people to, to read? Because this is going to be the final thought for the, for today's show. Oh, that's a lot of pressure then. Um, <laughs> you know, there is a quote that I love and I think it's a Jillian Michaels quote. I know she's old school, but I love her. Um, it's from her workout perspective. But she always says, if you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Mm. And I love that. Hey, say that and, again. Say that one more time. Yeah. If you fight for your limitations, you get to keep them. Right. So if I tell myself I can't do that, you know, I can't, I can't do that, you know, whatever it is, plank, whatever, then no, I'm not going to be able to. So um, that's something for me that really resounds and it helps me kind of knock out those excuses in my own life. Yeah, yeah. thank you so much for that. If you You're fight welcome. for your limitations, you get, you to, get keep to keep them. And I think mm -hmm. that's what this podcast will be called. 
Uh, Melanie, I appreciate your time on a Saturday morning uh, recording this. Uh, this will be released on Monday of next week, Lord willing. Okay. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, for everyone listening, thank you so much for your uh, attention and support for this podcast. Melanie, All right, thank you. good to see you. All right. Thanks, Benjamin. Take care.